Okay, so we are in the final week of this series, and even though it's about Jesus and it's called Like Jesus, I realize that there's been, because of Easter and not having it last week, it's been kind of a uh, different schedule for everything. And so most of you that went to church or heard about Easter, you probably already talked about the resurrection. We're still going to talk about it today uh, because it's an important part of what we do, and it's an important part of who we are, and it's an important part of why we do what we do, because what the resurrection means is that we're on the winning side. And what the resurrection means is that Jesus died and came back so that we could live. And so to wrap up this series, uh, we're going to go to Matthew 28. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear as they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the woman. Don't be afraid, he said. The women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't there. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying, and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and he is going ahead of you uh, to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. So basically, the first people to bear witness were... Uh, Mary Magdalene, and then it says the other Mary. Jesus' mom was somewhere around. Um, And so in these days, and if you heard me on Easter, you know that in these days, uh, women didn't count for anything. Like the the court of law would not accept their testimony in order to uh, accuse someone of adultery. You could only have men say it. Like women literally did not count for anything. In the feeding of the 5,000, like they were actually closer to 10,000 because women and children didn't count. And yet the first people that Jesus appeared to, the first people that he let know the news uh, were Mary Magdalene and his mom. And it was to tell them, hey, you have a role here. Everyone has a role here. No one is unimportant. No one doesn't matter. No one is going to be left out in the cold. Everyone has a plan. Uh, One of the things I said this morning was sometimes we will look at other people and we will compare our lives and the plan for our life to someone else's. And so we'll be like, man, how come they get to do this? And how come they get to do that? And how come this happened in their life and not in mine? And we think about that. And so we start to think that either their life is more important than ours, or sometimes that our life is more important than theirs, but none of that is true. Because of this, because of the angels appearing, because of Jesus resurfacing and resurrecting himself and coming back to life and, and take cleansing our sins, because of all of that, Each of us has a plan, and it fits together. It's a giant puzzle for God's plan, and our lives fit together with that, and it all matters the same, and it all does something. It all furthers God's story, and and that's where this starts, is uh, the angels appearing to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary and, and the women here and saying, hey, I know that you feel left out, and I know that you feel like nobody listens to you, and I know that you feel like you're not counted, and I know that you are made to feel all of these things, but I see you. And that's what he says to each and every one of us. And that's what the resurrection tells us, is that each and every one of us is seen by him. Each and every one of us was thought of by him. Um, Misty was saying something the other day when I heard her talk about how she uh, did this to the children, ta- taught this to the children. And she went through John 3.16. Yes, you're Misty. John 3.16. Uh, and it's, for God so loved the world that he gave his life you know, you know, John 3.16, and she had each of the kids put their name in that, that he gave his life for Cooper, that he gave his life for Seth, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's true. That is what Easter is about. It's because it's for all of us. It's not the people that stand up here and talk. It's not the people that just play in gravity. It's not the people that 
uh, sing on Sunday morning. It's not the people that run the church. It's not the people that run the country, whatever. It's for every single person. And we all matter. And so that's what's important here. We go to the next part. Uh, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were frightened, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. So think about this as if you are seeing it and you're feeling it for the first time. Is Jesus died, and you saw that. And regardless of whether or not you were around him all the time, regardless of whether or not you knew every single message he'd given, regardless of whether or not you knew the prophecies, you saw him die. And so, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, it was painful, and it was horrible, and he gasped for breath, and it was just an awful death. And you saw that, and then they go to the tomb, and the first thing they see is an earthquake, or angels, or an empty tomb, regardless of which way in the gospel you read it. And they see that, and even though they believe, and even though they know that something different is happening, until they see Jesus, there's always going to be that question of, but what if, but what if, but what if? And yet, Jesus appeared to them because he knows that. Uh, one of the things I've said the last couple of weeks when I preached on Sunday mornings is Jesus comes to where you are. And sometimes, and I've talked about this a lot with you guys, uh, you guys in your lives at your ages, you're treated one of two ways and often both and sometimes both at the same time. Uh, you're treated by a lot of people that you're too young, your opinion doesn't matter, you should just go be a kid and stay out of business and not talk or uh, blah, blah, blah. And then the, on the other, on the flip side, you're treated like, hey, you need to be more mature and you need to have, um, you need to know more. You can't act like a kid anymore. And it can be very confusing, especially if it's your teacher yelling both at you or if it's your parents saying both or if it's someone else saying both. And it can be very hard. And so the reason I say he comes to you where you are is he knows that. And so he understands what you're feeling like. He understands what that's like. And you may think, well, nobody takes me seriously, or people expect too much of me, or people don't expect enough of me. He knows exactly what you're going through, and he loves you, and he's with you, and he has a plan for you. Even now at your age, he has a plan for you. And maybe it's not to go be a missionary right now. Maybe it's not to be a pastor yet. Maybe it's just to do well in school and to do your best and to treat others with kindness. But he has a plan for you, and he will lead you along. Um, I've talked before about how when I got called into ministry, I didn't understand it, and I didn't go to it right away because it was so confusing and it was so different. Uh, and yet when I went home a couple years later after grad school, the very first Sunday, the youth pastor was like, hey, I need volunteers. And so it was like Jesus saying, hey, just because you didn't understand this at first, you continued to seek after me and your plan is still there. Uh, and so he doesn't give up on you. Uh, a lot of people in their lives will sometimes turn away from him. And they'll say, I give up. I don't care about myself. I don't care about the church. I don't care about anybody. Whatever, for whatever the reason, whether they go into something they shouldn't or whether they just lose faith or whether they doubt, whatever. He never stops, no matter what happens, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter who you were. He never stops loving you. And he always has that plan for you. Now, if you never turn back to him, obviously that's not going to happen. But any time you turn back to him, he will be there to accept you and to help you and to help you to grow from it. Um, and so what he meets, the reason that the angels came and talked to the Marys and said, hey, you know, Jesus is back. Jesus knew that they needed to see him. 
Not that they wouldn't do what he said without seeing him, but in their hearts, seeing him in this moment would help them have strength and help them to get through what was about to happen, help them know the message more. And so he appeared to them because he goes to where you are. And so for some people uh, in school, some of you are visual learners. And so if you see the teacher work out the problem on the board or you see a video about it or something, like you're like, okay, I kind of get this. Some of you are more reading Learners, I don't know what the word for that is. Reading learners, where it's like, okay, I have to read the instructions and then I'll get it. Uh, some of you are more audio learners. Uh, I know people that can hear a song and know how to play it just from that song, and I don't like those people. But no, uh, and so it depends. Like, everybody learns in a different way. Some of you have to learn by doing. Uh, some of you learn by watching. All of these different things, and, and God knows that. And so he knows that if he appeared to these women, they're going to see who he is, and they're going to see that they matter, even though everyone around them is saying that they don't. He appeared to them and said, hey, you matter. Now go and do this, even though they'd already been told. It's not that they had to be told twice. It's just that he saw what they needed, and so he met there. And so whatever it is, he will help you to learn the way that you need to learn. He will help you to see what you need to see. He will help you to feel what you need to feel because he will be with you. Next part. Uh, as the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, uh, and they decided to give so the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say Jesus' disciples came along during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about it, we'll stand up for you so that you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread quickly among the Jews, and they still tell it today. Not those specific soldiers still tell it today, but... You know what I'm saying? Uh, so the reason I chose this for the resurrection, uh, for the story that I told you guys, was because of that paragraph. Now, each of the Gospels tells uh, a view of the resurrection from a different perspective. Um, I usually use John's. That's what I used last week on, on Easter because John was there, like he was at the tomb. And I, I love that one and just the way he tells it. Uh, Matthew, he's also good at this. And the reason I chose this, though, was not who Matthew is and not who John is and not Mark and etc. Luke, I guess, I'll just say all four, um, was this paragraph, this paragraph, because sometimes, especially in the church, especially around Easter time and especially around Christmas time, we get very excited, and that's good, and I've talked about this, we get very excited and we're like, hey, you know, it's awesome to be a Christian and it's awesome to, to live like this, and that's all true, but sometimes we forget what everyone else is dealing with, and we live in this little circle. And we get shocked when someone has a different opinion. We get shocked when someone disagrees with us. We get shocked when someone is different than us. And sometimes we don't know how to handle that. And so I bring this story to you and I bring this paragraph to you because even though the Pharisees at this point knew that he had risen from the dead because they knew they didn't move the, the stone and they knew that they didn't do it and they knew the disciples didn't have the chance to do it because they had people watching them. And so they had people guarding the tomb and so they knew at this point, they knew, and this is where we're going to go for a second. Uh, through Jesus' ministry, when he was walking around and teaching, the Pharisees walked around, and they would shout at him, and they would yell at him, and they would try to stop people from following him. Uh, part of that was because they liked the power, and they liked being in charge. Part of it was because they really did not fully believe who he was. Because when you expect something for a long time, and then it finally happens, it can be hard for people to 
take that. It can be hard for people to accept that. Um, if you've had trouble with school for a long time and then you get a good grade, sometimes it can be hard to really understand what that means. Like, wow, I actually did this. And you can kind of doubt yourself even more. And it's kind of weird, but that's what people do. And so they knew all the prophecies, and it's like, well, this, this can't happen. How could this possibly happen? It's not what we expected, but wow, this would mean, and it was hard for them. And some of them, like Nicodemus, would start to accept him, and they'd talk to him, and they'd actually listen and not just yell things. But the ones that were in charge, they got so comfortable with being in charge and so comfortable with shouting out about Jesus, even once they found out that they were wrong, they were unwilling to say they were wrong. Because it was harder for them to say, man, we messed up for the last three years. We really messed up. Like, we got this way wrong, guys. Uh, because they were afraid of what people would say. They were afraid they'd lose their power. And they were just afraid of being wrong. And so, at this point, they actually pay the guards to lie. It's different. It wasn't right what they did to Jesus all along, obviously. But then, some of them could argue, we really don't believe him. Even though, you know, there was evidence and all of this. Uh, we really don't believe him. And they could argue we're just trying to give people our side of the story. Now they know they're wrong, and they're still doing the same thing. And that's way, way worse. Because when you know you're wrong and you continue arguing, when you know you're wrong and you continue lying, when you know you're wrong and you continue going in that direction, it's way, way worse. Because then you're starting to harden your heart. And so that's what they've done. And so they're hurting the soldiers, and they're hurting other people that listen to them, and they're hurting the people that are in their churches, and they're hurting the people that work for them, and all of these things. And the reason I say that is twofold. For one, when you are wrong, or when you do something wrong, if you don't stop and say, I need to figure this out, or I need to change, or I need to learn, you're going to go to the point where you're paying people to lie. And, you know, not literally, but you're going to get to the point where your heart is so hardened that you no longer care about asking for forgiveness, and you no longer care about what other people think, and you no longer care about anything but whatever it is your life is. The other thing is no matter how much good you do, and no matter how well you treat other people, and no matter how much you follow the gospel, no matter how much you're like Jesus, there are going to be people that simply don't care. Hopefully not the majority, but there are going to be people that simply don't care. There are going to be people that dislike you more because of it. There are going to be people that say bad things about you because of it. There are going to be people that spread rumors about you because of it. I'm not saying that to scare you because more people are going to care and more people are going to listen and more people are going to at least be there. But there are going to be people that just the more good you do, it seems like the worse they treat you. And the reason for that is there's a couple, but one of them, the main one, is... When you live right, when you do right, when you are like Jesus, that shines a spotlight on anybody who doesn't. Now, you should never walk around and say, hey, you're not living like Jesus. Let's shine this flashlight at you and point it out. Don't do that. But when you, say, study for a test and refuse to cheat, somebody who's cheating sees that and is like, well, now I feel bad about myself. So I can either do the same and learn, or I can make fun of them and call them goody two-shoes or schoolboy or something. I don't really have good insults. Uh, and so it's like they see that. Or if somebody is just living the wrong way and they see you and they're like, wow, they never do this or they never do that or they don't lie or they don't whatever. And they're going to see that and be like, okay, I can change and admit that I'm wrong or I can keep doing what I'm doing and try to drag them down. And so that's what the Pharisees are showing us. In your life, there are going to be people that disagree with you just to disagree. And there are going to be people that hate you just to hate you. And there's nothing you can do about that. However, next part. 
Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even though the Pharisees are around spreading lies, and even though all of this is happening, Jesus still does what Jesus does. And the disciples still went and did what the disciples were supposed to do. It was hard. And I said this this morning, but 11 of the 12 disciples, after Judas is replaced, because obviously he didn't count, but 11 of the 12 disciples died for their faith. They died in horrible ways, or they died in prison, or they were killed, or something, just because they believed in Jesus. Uh, John didn't. He was exiled and uh, wrote Revelation, and that's a whole different story. But still, um, they were treated like garbage all along just because they were doing the right thing. Uh, we live in a different world. It's a hard world, obviously, still, but probably you're not going to have to face much of what they faced. But will you lose some friends? Sometimes. Will you be made fun of? Sometimes. However, this part tells us why it's still better to follow Jesus, because Jesus said, I'm with you all the time. And Jesus, who faced worse than any of us will ever face, and any of the disciples will ever face, said, it's okay. Because you're going to have the right people around you who treat you right. And you're going to have the right people around you who are with you. You're going to have me with you every single step of the way. And then he says, teach people to be disciples. He doesn't say scream at people into going to church. He doesn't say throw Bibles at people until they get a concussion and you can trick them into coming to church. He doesn't say, be a jerk. Be a jerk to the people who are jerks to you so that they think you're tough and strong and cool. He says, teach them. Uh, another thing in another of the accounts, he says, go like I came, which means how did Jesus come to earth? How did Jesus teach? How did Jesus live? Well, he loved people and he showed hope and he showed peace and he showed truth and he just treated people like he wanted to be treated. And he told his disciples and he told us to go and do that. Uh, sometimes we make it really hard and we think, well, I have to have all the answers, and I have to know every single bit of the scripture. It's awesome to know the Bible. But it's like, I have to be able to quote all of this at this person, and I really have to change them right here. You can't change anyone right anywhere. They have to make the decision. What you do is you show them what it's like. And when there are the people, like the Pharisees, who are like, yeah, you suck, and I don't care. That's going to hurt. But you go to the people that are around you, that love you, and you say, hey, this hurt. And they're like, oh, that happened to me. You know, let, let, let me talk to you. Let, let me explain it. Let me just share the pain with you. Let me just be with you. And then you talk and you share and you pray. And you don't hate. And then you go on and you keep living. And you keep treating people like you want to be treated. And you keep loving God and loving others. And you keep doing what you can to be like Jesus. Because just because Easter was over last week doesn't mean that you can stop caring about other people anymore. You see, we still are the example. Uh, you're not going to be perfect. You're not. But we are still the example. And even at your age, it's important for you to just do your best and to admit when you're wrong because you're not going to be perfect. And if you hold yourself to the perfect standard of like, man, if I mess up, I'm done, it's just not going to happen. Like, you're, you're going to mess up. And as I've said, like, you can look at that like, oh, well, I'm going to mess up, then I'm just going to do whatever I want, and then I'll worry about forgiveness later. I'm not saying that. I'm saying he loves you and he's with you. And when it's hard... Have people to listen to you and to help you and to pray with you or just to understand, to be there. 
and talk to him and know that he's with you and then just keep doing your best because that's what it boils down to. Keep doing your best. And when you're wrong, apologize. Uh, when you're right, show grace. But be an example and understand that everything you face, he understands and he will care about you through and he will love you through and he will help you through because you are worth it. And you are enough, regardless of age, regardless of where you came from, regardless of how often you're in church, you are enough, and you are worth it. And that is why the Easter story matters, because he loves you. And he died and he came back for you, and for all of us, because everyone here has hope. And the last thing I'll say is from this morning, as long as there is life, there is hope. Meaning, whatever else that's happened in your life, you're alive, and so there's still hope. And there's still a chance, and there's still a plan, and you can keep doing that because you are worth it. And that's all I got.